I guess it's time to go back in time. Are you telling me you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? Time is but a stubborn illusion. I have a lot of memories of the past. People are time traveling within themselves. Time travel is possible. Welcome to Reloaded Monday, everybody. This is a sentimental reload because... We just found out this weekend that John Edmonds from Stardust Ranch passed away last month, February of 2022. And so we thought it'd be a good idea to replay his episode for Reloaded Monday, episode 43, Stardust Ranch with John Edmonds, the Alien Slayer. Keep his wife and family in mind and prayer because they are going through a hard time right now dealing with this loss. But here is John Edmonds, the Alien Slayer. Okay, I'll reload it. Are you willing to sacrifice your life? They're staying in the shadows. It's called probing. Make sure things are all clear. Clear for what? For the rest of the world. You guys hear that? to the show, everybody. I am your host, Tony Merkel, and I am really glad that you're here, and I am really glad to be here. Now, if you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me that email. My email address is theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. That's theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the connection section, and you can reach me that way as well. Now, this week, we have John Edmonds coming on, who owns Stardust Ranch, and he has been experiencing crazy amounts of alien activity on his property over the last 21 years. And we're going to get into it with John right after this. Okay, tonight I have a great guest coming on, John Edmonds, who owns Stardust Ranch. John, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Great. So I was talking about you earlier uh, with some friends, and we were discussing some of the things that you have experienced on your property. It's it's just an absolute wild story. And recently, it's been popping up a lot around the internet. And uh, before we get into the actual ranch, would you mind telling us what happened to you as a child that kind of maybe... I don't know, uh, precursed this whole thing moving forward? Well, I've, I mean, there were a number of things that happened, but one of the things that was pretty weird was in 1963, um, I was getting ready to, 
go on a field trip. I was just a kid, and I was uh, going on a field trip with my grade school class, and we were supposed to go to the zoo. And as we got off the buses, uh, a well-dressed gentleman walked up to me and put out his hand, and he says, are you John Edmonds? And I said, yes. And he looked at me, and he says, may I shake your hand? And I said, yeah, I guess so. And so I shook his hand. And he told me that I was going to be somebody very important in the future and that it was a great pleasure of his to shake his hand or shake my hand. And, um, you know, I, I was just kind of bewildered. I mean, I was just kind of a kid and everything. So, you know, at the time, I, I didn't think that much of it. And then uh, my teacher came up to me and she said, who was that man? Was he a family member? And I said, no, it's just some man who came up to me and wanted to shake my hand. And she just kind of flipped out and she was like, well, you don't talk to strangers. And she kind of gave me a hard time and so on and so forth. But I guess maybe, uh, you know, maybe there's some truth to it. Yeah. I mean, is this something that you thought about your whole life or is that something that kind of came back to you after you bought the ranch? Well, you know, it's kind of been out there. I mean, there's been other things that have happened as well, but, um, you know, I, my whole life has been, I've been different than pretty much everybody I've ever known. Uh, I've always been somebody that, you know, had some amazing contacts along the way with people and, and, you know, they, they seem to seek me out. Um, I mean, I met the Beatles, <laughs> Really? you know, so yeah, 1965, uh, on one of their first tours, I guess my next door neighbors, uh, happened to be very attractive young ladies and they decided that, uh, they wanted to go see the Beatles and they got backstage and I got dragged along because I was just a kid and they were babysitting for me and they got backstage. And next thing I knew, I was sitting in George Harrison's lap. I was only maybe, you know, six, seven years old. And I remember looking at them and George looked at me and he says, so what do you think? And I said, I think you guys need a haircut. <laughs> and uh, I remember looking at John and he and I locked gazes. And it was really weird because when I looked at, you know, looked in his eyes, I saw this great kind of like sadness in his eyes. And it was, they were very deep. And, you know, I was a little kid, so, you know, I, I don't think that I truly had a comprehensive understanding of what anything like that meant back then. But I did have enough of an understanding to know that something was different. And then uh, 1980 came along and I was uh, in uh, the park in New York and uh, when he was killed. And I was only maybe, I don't know, 100 feet away, maybe when he was shot. And I saw, basically saw the whole thing happen. Wow. And so in a way, it was kind of like foreshadowing that. That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. So your yeah, whole life. Yeah, a lot of weird stuff like that <laughs> throughout my life. I mean, so basically throughout your life, there's been these crazy things that have kind of lined up over time. That's really interesting. Yeah, I always tell people that it's kind of like a combination of like a Marvel comic and Forrest Gump. <laughs> So it's a little bit of a comical stuff in there too, huh? Oh yeah. There's lots of weird stuff that's happened. I mean, just ironic things, you know? So, you know, I mean, I, I've just, I've had a tremendously unusual life and I've always tried to come out the very best I could and, and, you know, help animals, help people just to be a good person. You know, I've always wanted to be the very best person I could be. And, um, uh, I figure someday I'd probably sit across for God someday and, you know, have to say, Hey, uh, 
is me and this is what I've done and I'm responsible for it. So hopefully, you know, you'll accept me and be okay with it. Yeah. Well, that's a good way to live your life, man. Seriously. I try. So if I remember correctly, you've been always wanting a ranch your entire life, right? I did. I grew up watching, you know, the, all the gunslinger movies, you know, the Westerns when I was a kid on WGN in Chicago. And, you know, I didn't really relate to all the cowboys and Indian things because I'm half Cherokee and I didn't think it was that cool for them to always be killing each other. But I really enjoyed the horses. And so my thing was I was going to move out west and have a horse ranch. And I did it. Of course, it didn't turn out to be a horse ranch so much as a alien ranch. But, you know, we got horses, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at this point, uh, they're, they're the, um, the sub story to this whole thing. How long did it take you to actually save up for that ranch? Because I know you said you started saving it in your childhood. And this is like a whole lifelong thing. Yeah, it was. It really was. I mean, I, I, you know, I had two paper routes. I had the Chicago Tribune in the morning and I used to get up at five o'clock in the morning, four thirty in the morning and wrap all the newspapers and then put them on my, in the big bag on the front of my bike and then go out and deliver the papers. And then in the afternoon at three o'clock, we had the daily news. And so I would go ahead and do it all over again with that newspaper. So, and then when I got a little bit older, I started caddying at golf tournaments and so I worked at the Evanston Country Club and I, you know, saved up all my money from caddying. And uh, you know, so I really was serious about it. I mean, I've always been a person that whenever he set his mind to do something, he got it done. And I did. So you move out west, you move to Arizona, you buy this ranch. Now, when you when you bought this ranch, how did the whole thing come about? I mean, did you have to were you searching for a long time for this ranch or did it kind of just fall into your lap? No, I looked for a couple of years and, you know, at the time, Arizona is fairly expensive when it comes to land. And I'm not really sure why, because most of it is like dirt. That's just, you know, I mean, you look at it and you say, wow, nothing will grow here. And, uh, you know, why would it be so expensive? But it is. And so I looked around I went to Washington state. I went to Maine. I went to all sorts of different places looking for land because I thought maybe I could get more than 10 acres. Um, in the end, I had a good job. My wife had a good job. We wanted to live out of the city, but we didn't want to live so far away that, you know, if you, you had to like go and stay in the city for most of the week and then come back out on the weekends. And so, uh, you know, we finally found this place through our realtor and, uh, I took one look at it and I said, so I love the fact that it was completely removed from everything else. And it really reminded me of kind of like uh, the old West. Uh, you know, it, it was just, it wasn't modern. It wasn't all, you know, city slickered up. And uh, I thought it was pretty cool. So, you know, I just told him, I said, you know, let me go to the bank, get the money. I'd never bought a house before. So I literally figured it was like buying a used car. You just show up with cash. And uh, I found out that wasn't true either. <laughs> <laughs> so you just thought that you could just show up, pay for it, and it was yours. Yeah, briefcase. I showed up with a briefcase full of cash. Really? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know any better. Did you bring yeah. a pen to, to sign papers or no? Yeah, yeah, I really did. I was like, okay, you know, where's the title? You know, I figured it was like a car. Wow. That's phenomenal. So move-in day happens, and there's something strange that happened on move-in day. Uh, I'll let you tell the story. Take it away. Yeah, moving day was really a horrific mess. Um, 
we got there about 8.30 in the morning, and we were all ready to move in. We're, you know, thinking, wow, this is great, you know, get the house, get the ranch, going to have horses. And uh, we go to walk in, and guess what? The people that lived there had not moved out. They hadn't done anything. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I, you know, what do they think? They're going to be roommates or what? And, uh, you know, so I wasn't very happy about that. And I got on the phone and I called the realtor and the realtor said, that's, you know, not supposed to be that way. They're supposed to be out of there. And I said, well, they had, you know, 15 days to move. They said that was enough. Get you know, get hold of them, come over here, do something, make them leave. I don't care what you do. And, uh, you know, so he came over and, or talked to him or did something. I don't know what he did. But when we came back that night, uh, 12 hours later, all their stuff was gone. But unfortunately, it wasn't gone. It was in the pool. And this is a 10-foot deep diving pool full of water. And the appliances and everything else were in the pool. So I was screaming mad. And uh, I called him up and I screamed at him. And I said, you know, what the hell is going on here? This is not my idea of moving, you know, get your skinny ass over here and get this stuff out of the pool, <laughs> do something, hire somebody. I don't care what you do. And, you know, well, he just told me, he says, well, it was, you bought it as is. And I said, well, yeah, but I didn't want to, when I saw it, none of the stuff was in the pool. So that doesn't count. It's an invalid argument. And he said, well, it's still on the property and anything that's on the property, they're gone now is yours. And I'm like, great. So now I got a whole household full of soggy stuff. Not cool. And uh, I ended up having to drag it all out of the pool for the next few days and take it out and put it out front and, you know, let everybody take everything. So that's what they did. Wow. So, I mean, I guess you spent a few days doing that. And uh, that kind of takes you into the, the next strange thing that happened there. But before we get into that, I wanted to ask you, do you think that there was something, I don't know, paranormal involving that? Or do you think it was just jerky past tenants that just were being jerks? I have no idea. I mean, you know, I, I'm, if, I, if I know something's paranormal or ultra weird or something like that, I will tell you. But the bottom line is I have absolutely no way of knowing one way or the other why what happened happened. Um, there's a lot of unexplained things that happened here. You know, and it's interesting because the original owner, uh, I guess the wife popped up a few days ago uh, after she saw a local broadcast about the ranch on TV. And she called the station and she confirmed everything that I said. And so, wow. you know, that was back from like the mid 70s. And she said, you know what, all the same stuff was happening back then. And she said that's why she didn't want to live there. That's so, incredible. So that's validation, man. Yep, exactly. It was very cool that it was all validated. I was, I was, that she did that. And, uh, you know, I totally understand her point of view. I mean, you know, I've learned to deal with it and just not pay that much attention to it. I mean, it's kind of like living in a bad neighborhood where stuff happens and you, you just kind of go, well, you know, I survived. So, live to tell, you know, live right. the next, another day. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like you just become uh, numb to your environment. You know, it's happened so much. You just don't even feel it anymore. Exactly. You know, I, I lived in Chicago right next to the tracks, the L tracks. And about every 20 minutes, a train would come by and like shake the room. And it was horrible, you know, <laughs> but I tell you what, after I'd been there for a week, I didn't even hear them anymore. 
Absolutely. I've been in situations like that myself with previous jobs and stuff that were on the dangerous side, but after a while, you just don't even realize how dangerous it is. So yep. So what exactly happened a few days later with this uh, fellow that came wandering onto your property? Well, even before that person came, the phone company, I had a run-in with a phone company because I first thing I did was realize that my cell phone didn't get very good reception out there and I needed a landline. And so I called the phone company and I asked them to come in and put a phone line in, which I didn't think was going to be any big deal. And what I found out was after an appointment where nobody showed up was that everybody was afraid to come out and put a phone in. And I thought, wow, that's really bizarre. I mean, you know, phone guys are usually, you know, pretty hardened to everything. And, you know, for them to be afraid to come to my house and put in a phone, you know, that wasn't a good sign. And, uh, Finally, the guy showed up about a week and a half later, and uh, he was afraid to get out of his vehicle. He was acting like I had, like, mean dogs or something. And I told him, I said, hey, there's no reason why, you know, you can't get out of the vehicle and go put the phone in. And he goes, well, do you know all the bad stuff that's happened out here? And I said, no, nobody ever told me. And he said, well, you know, the people that were owners of the ranch before you got it, their son killed himself in the living room the day before his high school graduation. And so the place is haunted. And I thought, oh, great, here we go. You know, so, and I mean, he just started peeling off story after story. And I thought, wow, you know, it's definitely, I wish there was like a, a warranty or something where I could, you know, call up and say, hey, I don't want this place. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, you know, full of freaky things and ghosts and everything else. But, hey, you know, there was nothing like that. So I just had to suck it up and be a man. A 14-day return policy would be great in that situation. Yeah, it really would have been. So, all right, so the, the linemen were scared to come out. So, obviously, rep- the reputation has followed the property. And uh, you were just finding out about this. And uh, with what the guy said to you as far as being afraid to get out and the place is haunted, uh, I would imagine that this other guy coming onto your property kind of pushed that narrative further in your mindset. Well, um, the guy that came up on the property, he just walked right up the uh, front path from the gates up to the house. And I walked outside and uh, I had just recently purchased a 357 revolver and I put that down the back of my pants and walked out to meet him and see what the heck he wanted. And the guy had like a machete uh, hanging from a piece of, uh, you know, like rawhide. And he was just kind of like swinging it back and forth in front you know, like a clock pendulum. And I thought to myself, wow, you know, what next? And, uh, you know, I mean, because I'm, I'm thinking to myself, man, this is like too crazy to even be like a movie or something. I mean, these things don't happen in real life. But sure enough, it did. And, uh, you know, so and I asked him what he wanted. He says, well, I live there. And I said, wait a minute. There was no mention of anybody that came with the property. Um, you know, you're not like the, you know, dog or something that got left you gotta go and he just looked at me and he shook his head and he said well you're going to be really sorry and i said well for what and he says i'm the guy that kills the monsters and now i'm thinking to myself okay um monsters so now the place has monsters as well as guys with machetes ghosts god knows what else and uh so you know he he went and packed his stuff up and as he left the property 
he just shook his head one more time and looked at me and he says, you're going to be so sorry. And then he off, he went into the desert. I never saw him again. Wow. So you have, you know, people telling you ghosts. Some people are telling you monsters. There's a guy with machete on your property saying he lives there and his job is to kill the monsters. What was your opinion of all this kind of stuff before this property? Did you believe in ghosts? Did you, did you even think about that kind of stuff? Not really. I mean, I, I, I'd had a few run-ins uh, over time. I lived in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I lived in a, a big mansion as the caretaker one time. And that place was definitely haunted. I mean, I saw stuff, bad things happened in it. Uh, I mean, just crazy stuff. And so I was aware that probably reality was not exactly the ultra G-rated version that, you know, that uh, the Brady Bunch you know, uh, portray or anything like that. But, you know, I, I didn't know exactly. I mean, I just figured, Hey, take it as it comes and do the best you can. And, uh, you know, so I, I really, I was kind of expecting like all this crap to just stop. Unfortunately it never did. And it never has 21 years later, it's still going on. And, you know, every day is a new day and I, I just try to suck it up and do the best I can with it. You know, fortunately, over time, I have had a chance to meet a lot of other people that are not only well associated with the phenomena, but they think it's real cool. And, you know, they're always wanting to come out and check it out for themselves. You know, and honestly, it's just not my cup of tea. It's not my bag. You know, there's a lot of things in life that I'm interested in a lot more. And, uh, you know, so I'm glad to be getting out of the alien ranch business and going back to hopefully a little more sane reality. Yeah, I mean, with you selling the ranch and everything, I imagine that, you know, hopefully you'll be able to move on from this madness after 21 years. That's crazy. I, I can't imagine living there for 21 years and dealing with this stuff. So, Well, that's it. I've been killing ETs longer than most people have careers. <laughs> you know, you're absolutely right on that. And before we get into killing the ETs part, let's take a break. And when we get okay. back, I actually want to get into when you actually first started seeing these things. So we'll be right back after this. All right, we're back with John Edmonds. Now, John, how did this all start? Like, when you you have this guy tell you there's monsters, you have somebody tell you it's haunted. When did you first start experiencing things, and what was it? Well, I mean, we started seeing lights in the sky. We started seeing, like, all these orange orbs that kind of look like the Phoenix lights. We started seeing black triangles. We started seeing flying saucers, rods, you name it. I mean, it's it's like in concert for ETs and UFOs out here. Uh, it's just crazy. I mean, there's, I don't know what it is about the area, but they're out here on a regular basis. And, you know, I, I mean, don't take my word for it. You know, you can come out and look at it yourself and see it. Yeah, I mean, with the, uh, I know the, the Phoenix lights were going on out there. And I, I believe I heard you talk about how, were you with your wife when you saw those? Yeah, we were actually uh, cranking along in my uh, Mustang GT convertible with the top down, watching them. And we were just, you know, they were kind of like on our way home. They went right over the ranch, you know, which in a way was kind of appropriate, I guess. Every every other ET UFO weirdness shows up there eventually. So, you know, why not the Phoenix Lights? Yeah, why not? All right, so when you're on the property, when's the first time that you you actually saw either a UFO near or on the property or 
you know, around that area or a gray? I know you've seen both. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the first we started seeing the UFOs, and that was within, like, a few days afterwards. And then uh, I actually had a dog, and she escaped, and she ran off the ranch and got out in the desert. So I went out in the Jeep looking for her, and I pulled over on the side of the road, got out, uh, walked up this embankment and down the other side. And on the other side of it was a giant black triangle about 65 feet off the ground. And it made this really weird kind of like uh, weird humming kind of sensation. And I kind of like felt like you had a bass drum in your chest kind of just like reverberating and uh, made all the hair on my arms stand up and on my head stand up. And uh, I thought, wow, I better go home and get a camera or a video camera or something. I remember swinging around to, to go and do that. Next thing I remembered, it was over an hour later, according to my watch, and I was back. I had the video camera turned on. It was hanging from my shoulder, and I can't remember anything that happened in between. And there's nothing on the video camera. I still have it. So you you went through some missing time then? Apparently. Wow. Uh, have you ever done any kind of regression or anything with that? I have. I think I remember you saying that you don't really talk about that, though, right? Um, I'm kind of waiting for uh, a situation to materialize where I'm going to be doing a bunch of books. And when those books come out, I will explain a lot of the range stuff that, you know, sort of ends in dead ends right now, because there's a lot that I could tell probably 80% of the story to the ranch I've never told. Um, part of it is because of PTSD. Part of it is just because of the fact that at some point, um, you know, I, I know I'm going to have to tell the whole story, but I, I it, it's so incredible. It's so bizarre. There's so much more to it than what's come out that, um, you know, I, I want to be able to, like, literally put the books out and then disappear. I don't want to have to sit around and deal with the consequences of being hounded over it. And, uh, you know, so that's kind of why I haven't said anything yet. Yeah, I understand. I was going to ask you if you were planning on doing books to inform people the whole story kind of in, in order as it happened or not. Uh, so I guess that answers I'm that in question. Negotiations. Yeah. I'm in negotiations right now to do movies and books and all that good stuff, but I really want to get moved. And I, I really just kind of, am going to be fairly anonymous after that. Um, cause people, I already know that it's going to make such a stir that people are just going to probably try to hunt me down to get more information and stuff. And I've done, like I said, hundreds of these interviews. I always tell the same story. You know, I mean, you, you could probably line up all the interviews. There might be a few little differences here and there, but the information's always the same. And the stuff that's coming out in the books uh, is going to be ultra, ultra radically different. Well, I can't wait for that. Uh, I'll be keeping an eye out for those books to come out. When you came in contact with these greys, like physically in contact with them, was the first time you ever, you know, saw them in person, was it a, a, a nice meeting or was it more of a conflict? Because I know you've had two different, you know, sides of the coin here where some of them seem to be nicer than others. Um, there's no nice greys as far as I'm concerned. There's some that are just uh, pretty much they don't do anything. They just kind of show up. They do their own thing. They don't try to attack. They don't hurt the animals, but then there's some really like, I don't know. They're like gang members or something. They, they just, they, they've just got a chip on their shoulder and they're out for, you know, to, to do whatever they're out to do. 
and they have a real bad attitude and they're very aggressive. And those are the ones that I don't tolerate. And so I just made a blanket statement that if I see them, I try to kill them because there's no talking to them. There's no reasoning with them. You can't do anything, you know, to try to, you know, make peace or end the situation. I've tried everything. I've even had people and ETs intercede on my behalf to try to tell them just to chill out and get the hell off the ranch, but it doesn't work that way. And at times we've had people out there that have seen as many as like 160 uh, or more of them at a time on the ranch. So, you know, it's a big threat. It's, it's an, it's just nasty. Yeah. That's incredible. I mean, that's a ton of them at one time. That's, it's crazy. And they're not playing around. I mean, that's the whole thing. They're definitely not playing around. This is not a, you know, like something that we're just doing for, you know, just, you know, laughs or anything. I mean, it just, it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, do you get the sense that maybe they're mining something or, or they're just being maliciously annoying? We've, we've had people tell us that there was something under the ranch. We've had unbelievable like tremors as if like, I thought they were almost like mini earthquakes. Um, you know, just all sorts of stuff like that. So it's possible. I've never had anybody, you know, dig. I mean, Robert Bigelow and his crew, they wanted to dig the ranch up and do all sorts of stuff. And I said, well, when you buy it, you can dig it up. And, uh, you know, because who wants a you know, place to look like, you know, Caddyshack with, you know, a gazillion holes in it. Right. So have you been able to actually communicate with these things on an intelligent level? Nope. They don't even duck when I throw stuff at them. So I would say it's not even a, you know, unintelligent level. Wow. So they're, they're pretty much fearless of you. I don't know that they have any emotions at all. I'm not even sure that they're necessarily uh, of a, a living organism. That for all I know, they may be some kind of, uh, you know, I don't want to say a robot or anything like that, but they, that they're, you know, box C, you know, any and all of the above. I mean, who knows? They just are what they are. I mean, they, they have organic matter. They bleed, you know, so you would think they're alive, but they don't act like it. That's really interesting. So you've mentioned earlier in this interview that you've killed them. Uh, how'd that all develop as far as you being able to kill these things? Did, was it something that you were trying to fend them off from attacking you or your, your dogs or anything like that? Or was it just that you saw them and you had enough and you're going to kill them? How'd that all start developing for you? Um, they have a real thing for women and they have a real thing for, uh, younger women. And, uh, they, they seem to be programmed or interested in young women. Uh, they're not so much interested in men as far as I can tell, because, you know, like when my friends come around, my buddies and stuff, they'll see stuff once in a while, but it, it doesn't ever seem to make a move on them. We've had, you know, incidents where we've had friends that were male friends you know, spend a couple of days and they'll come over and they'll lift the sheets up and look at them. As soon as they see that it's a man, they, they, they just kind of leave them alone. They don't, they don't go near. Um, but if it's a woman, they will fondle, they will touch, they will pinch, they will, you know, do all sorts of stuff. And so whatever it is, it's got to have something to do with the fact that they're female. Wow. So I'm assuming that your wife has had issues with that. She's had horrible issues with it. She's been attacked repeatedly. I have killed at least three of them that were in the process of attacking her. Wow. So 
I know you mentioned before that during killing one of these things, you actually were able to uh, get, I guess, for lack of better terms, a specimen from it. Uh, how'd that all work out? Because I, I do, do these things, basically what I want to ask you is, before you tell that, do these things uh, materialize and dematerialize in order for you to kill them? Yeah, they actually, um, there's a guy named Robert Collins, uh, retired Captain Robert Collins, and he's an expert on uh, physics. He's an expert on how things move around in terms of these grays. He's seen them many, many times himself. Uh, he, he's in Ohio, and he's, he's dealing with his situation for years there with them. And so he's done all the, the homework with the math and the physics and all that good stuff that uh, really isn't my, my thing. And uh, he can tell you exactly how it works. Wow. Okay. So when you kill these things, do, do you have the bodies or how does that work? Well, what happened was is that um, if you take the head, you get the whole package. If you don't take the head off, then what happens is they disappear. They just go back into what I think is is uh, a phase. They phase in and they phase out. And so they step into another dimension that is just slightly outside of our dimension. And that's how they move. You know, because I've seen them, they'll, 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 they'll appear. It, it's almost like they're unzippering our reality and they stick their head through and they look around. And if it looks like it's the coast is clear, they step through the rest of the direction. Um, if they, if they sense that there's some kind of uh, problem, then they, they just back, back out and they disappear. That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. Uh, have you ever seen them kind of materialize or dematerialize in front of you? Many times, many, many times. I've gotten to the point where I can predict where they're going to move to next. They don't really walk the way humans do or the way anything does. They just kind of appear from like place to place. And so once you get the the gist of how they move, you can pretty well predict where they're going to be next. And I'm usually waiting with a sword for them to appear so that I can take a good swing at them. I love it. That, that just sounds so awesome. <laughs> when, you, when you say it like that, it's like, man, I, I just I wish I could be there to see what, what you see when it comes to like this stuff. I mean, I'm sure it's uh, scary as heck, but I mean, man, like it's just it's insane. So it when, is insane. When you you said, you know, take the head off, get the whole package. If you don't, they dematerialize. Do you think that they, like, I don't know, grow limbs back if you don't take off the head? I really have no idea. They all look the same to me. So, you know, for all I know, I could be whacking the same one over and over and over again. <laughs> I have no idea. Okay, yeah, because I wasn't sure if, like, you saw, like, one-armed aliens walking around. Like, oh, yeah, I got that guy last week, you know? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that would be funny. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I wish I could just tag them, you know, like with a, one of those, you know, deals that they tag animals with, but no such luck. Yeah. So from what I'm gathering, because I know you said that there's two portals on the property. Now, I'm a, from what I'm gathering, though, they don't need the portals to come in and out, though, do they? No, they don't use the portals at all. The portals are another separate, complete, different part of the story. Really? I didn't realize that. Yeah. So, Nothing to do with it. What, what's up with the portals then? Talk to me. <laughs> well, the portals are the portals. They're just uh, interdimensional. Um, they seem to be, they, I, I, from what I can understand, and I'm, and I'm totally surmising this, it's not that anybody has you know, given me like uh, you know, Alien Portal 101 or anything. 
but I think there's portals that go from place to place on Earth uh, that provide a transportation system. I think then there's also uh, portals that are more powerful, that are a type two, that allow interspace. You know, you can travel from different parts in the world and different parts in the universe, back and forth, different planets, that kind of thing. And I think there's a third one, which combines the first two, but at the same time, it also allows travel in time, back and forth. Wow. Have you I ever, think we have the third kind. Really? I was just going to ask you that. Have you ever saw anything that made you think that you have that third kind? Well, we've seen things that don't fit in this time period where we had like two Roman soldiers uh, that walked through the house and they were totally oblivious to us. My wife and I were sitting on the sofa watching a movie and all of a sudden the power went out. And then about five minutes later, all of a sudden this really bright light came on at the end of the house. And these two guys uh, dressed with full Roman uniforms. One guy had a spear in his hand. The other guy had, had well, actually both had the Roman swords at their side. And they just kind of cruised through the living room and kept on going. So, you know, that was like really like 1997 or 98, like when we first moved in practically. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was one of the first pieces of high strangeness that we saw. And, uh, you know, we were just, my wife and I just looked at each other like, wow, what is going on here? So, you know, we've seen that. We've seen some little kids that came through that were, uh, they looked like they were out of like the Middle Ages or the Dark Ages. Uh, They were, you know, dressed in kind of what I would consider to be like, you know, kids that were, you know, from the countryside, uh, that kind of thing. I mean, they, they, you know, and they just looked at us and we looked at them and we tried to talk to them and, and there really wasn't any big communication or anything. They just despaired. That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. So, I mean, basically these things are from what you gather and what it sounds like to me that these things are from another era. And when they come through the portal, they're not necessarily uh, coherent that you're even there. So maybe that it's like a window into another dimension that you're able to look into. Is that, is that what you think or what? Yeah, but we've also had, um, there's a gal by the name of Elizabeth August that you ought to contact and I can give you contact information for her. And she and I have done sessions in the living room with that portal. And we have heard and smelled and tasted things that were definitely not current. I mean, you know, like, uh, we were, we literally, uh, she contacted an entity of some kind that was all the way back in ancient Egypt. And I mean, you, you could smell, uh, like the flowers and, you know, everything. I mean, it was just weird. It was like looking through a window all the way back like 12,000 years ago. Wow. So, I mean, your property is just so special then because like, I would imagine that these alien entities know that these portals are there and maybe there's something to do with your property and these portals that are attracting them to your property, but really that's exactly right. Tony, they told us straight up that, that, um, through the portal that, you know, this property and other properties that are like it around the world, uh, you know, that they're aware of the fact that they go back at least 12,000 years. And so, you know, they were used during, you know, the Egyptian era they were used, you know, with the Sumerians. I mean, you know, they, they go way, way back. And, you know, we just happened to stumble on this. I mean, we had no idea. 
Yeah. Well, do you think that Native Americans were aware of these portals? I don't know that they were aware of the portals, but I know that we have found uh, artifacts like pottery. We found uh, lots of, of uh, what do you call them, arrowheads. We have found at times there were uh, bones and things like that. So, yeah, I'm sure they were doing something there. Uh, but, you know, I, I mean, when I try to ask a few Native Americans about it, they said that the Rainbow Valley area used to be a place where they did ceremony, their tribes did ceremony. And so, you know, it's quite possible that they did know about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know a ton about Native American culture. I mean, I've listened to a lot of different interviews. I, I drive truck for a living, so I listen to tons of podcasts and things like that. And I've heard people talk about the uh, the culture of the Native Americans. And from what I understand, they're a very spiritual uh, group of people. And I... I I'd imagine if they had any sense that there was something special about that land, they would be doing rituals and things like that around that area. Uh, it would only make sense to me. But man, I'll tell you that those portals, man, that I, I thought they were something that the aliens were coming through, but that's, that's just not the case. That's really incredible. Yeah, no, we have never seen any aliens come through the portals and we have seen at least the one in the living room. We haven't, we have seen alien ships, go in and out of the portal that's uh, on the back of the property. Uh, and then we've seen, you know, 12 or 13 ships go through at a time. So, you know, you know, that would be the contradiction of what I said, but, you know, nothing like, you know, uh, a Pleiadian or something steps through. Now, is this something with these aliens that do you see them in your house any time of day or do they tend to come in at night when you're more vulnerable? Um, Midnight to 3 a.m. seems to be the time the grays really uh, get active, but we've seen them during the day. We've had visitors that have just sat there on the sofa and all of a sudden one walked by and their mouths drop open and I'm looking at them because I can't see the gray, you know, because the, the gray would be like behind me. And and the person I'm looking at, all of a sudden, they look like they're about to tip over and have a stroke. And so, <laughs> you know, yeah. you got to figure. Um, but, you know, they they show up when they show up. There's no rhyme or reason to any of this stuff. Wow. So you, you mentioned just now that you have visitors come out to the ranch. Is that something that you're not really doing anymore with the, with trying to sell it? Well, right now we're trying to move. And so, you know, we are packing up a lot of stuff. We've got, you know, 18 horses to go. We've got dogs. We've got a bird. We've got cats, you know. And so, and we're we're going a long ways. We're going 3,800 miles away. So, um, wow. you know, right now I'm not really too hip to having a lot of people come out. Um, you know, it's just one of those things that you can't be, you know, everywhere all the time. And, and I just have to, you know, make some priorities. Uh, the next owners I'm sure will probably, you know, want to do something with it, but I, you know, I can't speak for them. So I don't know. Right. I know that you've had a lot of visitors come in throughout the years and they've actually seen things themselves. Is that right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's very few people that have showed up that, you know, had a boring time. Yeah, I can imagine. Wow. That's incredible. So uh, there was something I was going to ask you, but I can't remember. So we'll just take a break right here. And when we come back, we'll be talking to more of John Edmonds after the break. Okay. We're back. And John, I wanted you to talk about this whole abduction thing with your wife. And, and before you get into that story that I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, uh, 
has there has there been multiple times that they've tried abducting your wife? There have been dozens of times that we've been they've tried to take us. Wow. Okay. So it's not just your wife, but it's you as well. Oh yeah. It's me as well. I have plenty of marks on my body. Um, you know, we've had other people that have spent the night that have ended up with a few marks on their body. Um, they come and sample. I don't know exactly the details because most of the time that it's happened, you know, we've been asleep. Uh, and it's, you know, it's not like you, uh, you see little blood spots on you. You'll see, you know, puncture marks, you'll see cuts. Um, you'll, you'll get a sense of the fact that something is different, but you, you know, you, you, I, in my case, I don't remember anything. My wife doesn't really remember anything. Uh, you know, we tell, we have people that'll tell us that they clearly remember something, but it feels like a dream. So, you know, we don't know. Wow. So, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like, you probably have been abducted. You just can't remember it. Again, when the books come out, you'll get more answers. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, so could you tell us the, uh, the one account of you stopping an abduction of your wife? Yeah. Um, basically I, my wife usually goes to bed earlier than I do, or at least used to. Um, and she was in the master suite and it's a big four poster bed. Uh, you know, uh, she was asleep when I walked in there, I saw her floating about two feet off the mattress and three of these creatures were standing there in front of her. Uh, she was not wearing any clothes and I grabbed the sword and I didn't ask any questions. I just started going after them because I could see that they were touching her and, uh, they disappeared. The next thing I know, she is literally being pulled out of the room and down through the house and out the back door of the house. And there is a extreme white cone of light emanating from the sky. That's not very high up in the air, about 30 feet. And, uh, she started being lifted into that cone of light. And over the years, because of so many things that had happened, she had always told me, John, don't let me get taken no matter what. Do whatever you have to, including kill me if you have to, in order to prevent me from being taken. And there were times when it was so bad that I would have to wrap a a chain around one of the four posts of the bed and then put a pair of handcuffs to that chain and then anchor those handcuffs on her ankle in order to prevent her from from them trying to take her. So in this particular case, she lifted up into the sky uh, a few feet, like 30 feet. And I walked outside with an AK-47 with a double banana clip in it. And I pointed as close as I could to the, what I perceived was the bottom of the craft. And I just pulled the trigger and dumped both clips into it. And, uh, about, I don't know, a few seconds into into it, uh, she suddenly came tumbling out of the bottom of the ship. And I thought, wow, I probably shot my wife. God, you know, please forgive me. And I hope it didn't happen. But she came down. I got in her path to block her. She fell on top of me and pushed us both down into the gravel of the driveway. 
And a few minutes later, we both woke up after being unconscious. And I checked her for bullet wounds. There were no wounds on her. She had a few, you know, abrasions and contusions, and so did I. And uh, we were both very sore. She looked at me, and she goes, why am I out here in the parking lot? And I said, I'll tell you about it. Let's go inside. That was the end of it. Wow. I can't. I just, I just can't imagine going through that and seeing your wife being abducted. I mean, I'm married and my wife is pregnant with our first child. And I just, I'm sitting here listening to you tell this story and I'm just trying to picture how you felt because if I saw that with my wife, I mean, the, the, the absolute fear that would shoot through me. And also, I mean, outside of trying to shoot the craft, the, the feeling of helplessness, like, will this even work if I do it, you know? I mean, did you have any clue as to if you you'd be able to stop it? You don't have time to think. You don't have time to think. You think about what you can do, and then you either do it or you don't do it. And I knew that if she were taken, that they'd probably never return her. And I figured, you know, I'd rather do everything that I can. You know, looking back, uh, I wanted to be able to say I've done everything I could to save her. And so I just jumped into action and did what I did. I didn't really stop to think much about it. You know, it's one of those things. If you, if you stop to think about it, you lose. Yeah, that makes sense. That does make sense. So with all this stuff going on and you've been doing different, you know, interviews and you've been pretty vocal about what's been going on in your property over the last 21 years, have you had any government agents or anything like that show up on your property to, uh, I don't know, discuss things with you or anything like that? Well, not recently, but we've had the men in black here a couple of times, uh, you know, and they, they threatened me, uh, you know, a couple of times saying, you know, quit talking about this, quit talking about the ranch, quit going on the radio, quit going on TV, that kind of thing. And it just happened to be that one of the two times I was doing that uh, or that they did that, I had a picnic table in front of me full of guns that I was cleaning and, and making sure it worked properly. And these guys showed up in black SUVs with government plates and uh, got out, came right through the gates and walked right up to me while I was cleaning my guns. And the guy, they, they, they're really weird looking in the fact that they don't look human, really. They're humanoid, but the color of their skin looks like uncooked chicken. Uh, it has this sort of weird grayish pallor to it. It's just, a, it's a strange, weird thing. And, uh, no expression really, no, you know, emotional, anything in the voice, uh, very matter of fact, but very forceful. And, uh, you know, I just looked at the guy and I said, do you see what I'm doing here? I'm cleaning all these guns. And I said, you know, you might want to think about that before you come up here and threaten me. You know, because I thought seriously about just grabbing one and just whacking them in the head with it or shooting them. And then I thought, yeah, well, they grew up, you know, they drove up in with government plates. So probably not the coolest thing in the world to do. Right. <laughs> and uh, so I didn't. They show up with a vehicle that has government plates. So I, for me personally, my conclusion would be that the men in black do work with the government. Is that what you come to the conclusion as? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's fairly obvious, but, you know, at the same time, they just don't look, I mean, imagine a Blues Brothers driving up and walking through your gates with looking like they've been in the ground for 10 years. Uh, that's kind of what they look like. And then imagine them getting out of government vehicles, you know, which every, all of it just doesn't make any sense. It's all too weird. 
when you say walk through the gates, I, I know what you mean, but I think yeah, you're you're not communicating what Explain. you exactly mean. Yeah, what I mean is, is they walked through the gates, not opened them. They were locked. They literally just like ghosts walk right through them, which is very uh, paranormal to say the least. <laughs> That's pretty. Yeah. I mean, man, like I. I don't know. The, hearing you tell all these stories ten times, I would have been scared at least. You know, <laughs> just hearing some of these I different stories. I don't feel fear. I never feel fear. I, I'm uh, a very uh, faithful man. I believe in God, and I believe that once you've committed your life to God, you have nothing to be afraid of. I hear you. I absolutely hear you on that. Uh, so when these guys show up on your property, you said that they they kind of looked like they like uncooked chicken. I've heard yep. people say that they suggest. I mean, I don't think anybody really knows, but they suggest that the men in black take almost. I guess it sounds weird to say it, but at dead bodies and put them on as suits. And it kind of I find it kind of comical because the movie Men in Black with Will Smith, the alien did that. The alien killed the the one guy and put on his body as a suit so he could walk around civilization uh have you ever mm-hmm. heard anything like that no they, just to me they look like jake and elroy the blues brothers you know they, they didn't look like government guys they they you know they, they just you know you look at when you look at a, a g-man if you look at the shoes they're government issue all the way and these guys you know they did not have like government issue shoes um they just didn't look like they were from the government you know, the only thing government about them was the fact that they, you know, drove the government vehicles. And, uh, you know, I asked them for ID and they just ignored the question. They didn't even bother to, you know, even, you know, say no or, or anything else. They just acted like they couldn't hear what I was saying. Yeah. I mean, when you, when they're talking to you and stuff, I mean, their voices sound human, right? There's nothing weird about their voices. Um, A little bit robotic. I mean, like they could almost be like tape messages. Okay. I wanted to bring this up. I forgot to do earlier. Have, I don't even know if you've seen this video. Uh, so I'm just going to bring it to your attention. You probably have. There's a video on YouTube. I guess you were doing a video interview and they slow it down and it looks like there's some kind of gray peeking around the yeah, corner. Have you was. seen that? It was. Yeah. Carrie Cassidy interviewed me the second or third interview and I was terribly sick at the time. I had the flu real bad and I could barely sit in the chair to do the interview. I was so sick. And uh, she called me back right afterwards, and she said, I was reviewing the tape, and there's an E.T., a gray alien, right behind you during the interview. And, of course, I thought, oh, well, okay, let's go back and look. So I looked, and sure enough, there it was. Wow. So, I mean, when the interview was going on, you didn't know that. You didn't have any no. sense that there was something. No, but I was too sick to, to kill it anyway. So, I mean, I'm more, more than likely would have thrown up on it, but that was about <laughs> the most assertive I could have been at that moment. Well, maybe the germaphobes and you, they would have, you know, ran away from that. <laughs> so I want to ask you this. You've seen the portals, you've seen men in black, you've seen these grays. Now, a lot of my audience, they're very much into the cryptid uh, things as well, as far as like Bigfoot or Dogman. Have you ever seen anything like that on your property? Not on the property. I have seen some things that look like, uh, I guess Jimmy Church calls them Brillo men. And if you can imagine uh, the uh, Michelin man, you know, the sort of big puffy white guy yeah. that, uh, that portrays the Michelin products, um, 
this guy looked like it, except instead of being white colored, it was like a dark brown, rusty color, kind of like a giant Brillo pad, and uh, except in a humanoid shape. And out wandering around the perimeter of the property on numerous occasions before they put in houses all around us. So that would be as close to any kind of cryptid thing that I've ever seen. Okay, well, that's definitely interesting. I don't think I've ever heard of the Brillo. Uh, I'll have to look that up and stuff. That's very interesting. So you have seen something other than grays, and men in black, oh, yeah. and we've portals. Seen, yeah, we've seen, you know, we've seen reptilians. Uh, you know, we've had people scream and run out of the property at night because they were chased by a reptilian. Wow. So, have you ever been chased yeah. by a reptilian? Um, I don't chase. I fight back. That's what guns and swords are for. Gotcha. Yeah. So I don't, I don't back up. I never back up. I feel like I could learn a lot of lessons from you. I, I would love to talk to you more. <laughs> that's that's a that's a great mindset that you have. I mean, it really is, and especially in that kind of situation. I mean, really, what other options do you have? Because if you show fear or you show any kind of um, weakness, I, I imagine they would take advantage of that pretty quickly. Well, the one thing I liked about the Rottweilers that were killed on my property was the fact that they never backed up. I mean, you know, when these things came at them, they, they just ripped them a new asshole. I mean, they just completely just, you know, grabbed them by the leg, pulled them down, and mauled them. Unfortunately, it also killed them. Uh, within three or four days afterwards, they, they were dead. But, you know, I, I just, you know, my nickname is Roddy John. And... uh I guess I, as my wife says, I have the personality of a Rottweiler. Yeah. Yeah. So you've lost animals. Have you lost any horses or anything? We've had three horses over the years that were uh, actually mutilated by, we don't know what, but we assume it was some kind of ET. Wow. And your dogs, when, when they passed, was it from, I guess, wounds from the fight? No, there were no wounds. They literally, when they bit into these grays, the grays uh, emit some kind of like liquid uh, body fluid or something that is terribly toxic and there's no coming back from it. I mean, they, they, within 30 minutes after they had done it, they literally get sick and, you know, there's just nothing can be done. Um, They lose probably 50% of their body weight within two to three days. doesn't matter how much you feed them. They'll, they'll eat, eat, and eat, but it doesn't matter. They just shrivel up and die. Oh man, that stinks. I, I, yep. I love pets. I love dogs and cats and all that. And I can't imagine losing your, your pets and to such an odd thing. You know, it's not like they just, the dog wandered into the street, got hit by a car, you know, the cause they were freaking attacked by an alien and you had to watch them waste away. Uh, well, they weren't actually attacked. They did the attacking. The ETs just showed up. Uh, they always show up in threes. And, you know, my dogs were right there, and they saw that I was, you know, getting into it with one of the greys. And so they considered them to be predators, and, and you know, uh, they did their business. Wow. So I, I must have misheard you then because I thought that they, they were – they got attacked by the, the, the grays as well, but they did the attacking, but just whatever got into their system from the biting is what killed them. Right. We had one pit bull that was definitely killed by a gray, and that was March 13th of this year. Um, as we were coming back into the house through the back door, uh, one of the grays showed up blocking the door, and it reached down with something that looked like a sort of like a mini pen light or flashlight, 
and it touched my dog right in the chest and it burned a hole the size of a golf ball in her and she died within seconds. Wow. And wow. I proceeded to cut that thing into as many pieces as I could. Yeah, that's understandable. So how many of these things have you killed? 19 so far. More, wow. Plenty of room for more though. Yeah, I, I can imagine. I mean, 21 years, 19 killed. I mean, that's almost one a year. Uh, has there has there been times where it's kind of happened in groups, like you've killed two or three at a time? There has been. Okay. So I guess kind of wrapping this thing up here, a couple of questions I would have is, uh, one, what's the most recent event that happened on your property? Was it the one that had killed your dog, or is there something else that's happened since then? Well, there's things that happen almost every day, but they're minor things. Things will disappear. You'll see things shoot up in the air and fly around and, you know, just like water bottles that'll rise up off a table and spin around real slowly. Like, you know, ha ha, I'm here, you know, just things to just kind of just show you that they're not gone. You know, we, we've reached kind of a, I think at some degree we've reached a little bit of an armed truce. Um, they know that, you know, that I'm absolutely not going to back down, not at all. And, you know, I know that they're still there. And so I have nothing to prove. They have nothing to prove. So, you know, we're, we're just kind of biding our time. I think they know that we're getting ready to leave. And so, you know, they think, well, you know, Hey, we won. That's fine. Let them think that I don't care. You know, I lasted longer than anybody else has ever lived on my property. So you consider, a, a water bottle rising up and spinning in midair minor. That just shows how bizarre this property is. Cause most people would think that's, that's incredible. Really? See it to me. <laughs> I, I don't even like stop watching TV for it. <laughs> <laughs> this, that's all right. So let me just tell you that that's insane. That, that, that doesn't even phase you because I, I can tell you right now, if I'm in, I'm sitting in my office and I have a water bottle sitting next to me, if that thing rose up and was floating right in front of my face, I I, I would probably end this interview with with me running out of the room. You would be like, "Hello, hello!" Like <laughs> it's it's totally not normal. And the fact that that's just minor to you just shows how bizarre this property has been for you over the last 21 years. That's incredible. I'd probably throw a pillow at it and go back to watching TV. Wow! Wow! Wow, I feel like I could talk to you for hours, uh, but I know you got things to do. Uh, I guess my last question for you would be, and this is a very open-ended question. You may not even want to go into it, but uh, what do you feel inside? What What do you feel these things are as far as the, the entities, the, the aliens, the reptilians, all these different things happening? Do you think that they come from uh, the same source? Are they all a bunch of different sources coming together? Because I know you mentioned earlier that you are you know, faith driven, you believe in God. And I don't know what your, your faith is. I'm a Christian myself. And I know if I, if I dealt with the things on your property, the way you have, I don't know how I would react to it when it comes to my faith. I, I, I think I would have to think. Well, here's the thing, Tony, here's the thing. I, I tell Christians, you know, cause I mean, we've had some Christians that have said, Oh God, you know, I, I wouldn't, I have the money to buy the place, but I would never go near it because of the fact that they must be devils or they must be demons or something like that. And what I say is this energy is energy. Okay. It doesn't, it's not good or bad. It's whatever you react to it with and what it is, is basically in the hands of the person who's dealing with it. In my case, 
you know, I'm from Chicago. It's like I learned when things are mean to me to fight back. So I learned violence. I'm not saying violence is a good answer. It's not. You know, love and kindness is the best answer for every possible situation, you know, that you can think of. The problem is, is these things were trying to, you know, kill my family and kill my animals and kill me. And so, you know, I felt justified to do what I did. Um, there's probably a way better way of dealing with it than what I did. And I'm not, you know, I don't consider myself to be qualified uh, to be really the person who should be living there. Somebody who has a maybe a more spiritual, more accepting, more curious uh, attitude than I have would be the better person to live there. Um, but it is what it is. And, you know, I, I didn't ask for it. You know, I thought I was just buying a, a horse ranch and, you know, I got alien Disneyland instead. So, um, you know, it's just one of those things you, 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 you either fold the cards and, you know, you, you give in and you run away and be scared or you stand and fight. I'm a fighter. Yeah, I I definitely can see that you're a fighter, and that's awesome. Uh, you mentioned earlier about you're moving 3,800 miles away. Now, I'm in Pennsylvania, 45 minutes west of Philadelphia. Are you moving to my mm-hmm. area at all? No. No, I'll be driving through your area maybe, but I'm not going <laughs> to move there. I'm moving to Maine. Oh, Maine. Okay, that's beautiful up there. My, yeah, I'm going where it's very cold, where all these little reptilian SOBs, that don't have a, uh, internal heating system to be able to monitor, you know, how things work in their bodies. Uh, they're six, at least six or eight months out of the year, they're going to be very uncomfortable. So hopefully they won't come along. Sure. Yeah. I have family up there too. It's a beautiful area up there. Mm-hmm. It is it truly is. So are you going to be, uh, I guess you're putting away the horse business then, huh? No, no, I'm taking it with me. Oh really? So you're going to have the ranch up there. Oh, you betcha. I never give up my horses. Spent my whole life getting them. They're going to stay with me my whole life. That's awesome. That's a happy ending right there, man. That's a happy ending. Yeah, they're going to be on pasture. And, uh, you know, we're going to, you know, we we are, the reason we have horses, uh, not only because I love horses, but we also run a rescue called Hopeful Hooves. And so we take the horses that nobody else wants and rehabilitate them. We take the horses that are abandoned in the desert to die. And, you know, we save them and get them all cleaned up and straightened out. And then we send them to programs to work with kids and to work with domestic violence survivors and uh, work with our vets. So, you know, throughout this whole time, that's what I've been doing. And you're going to continue it. That's awesome. So where can people I go to, uh, where can people go to donate? Um, actually go on PayPal and just put in hopeful hooves, H O P E F U L H O O V E S. And, uh, you can donate directly. It'll pop out a receipt at the end of it. It's tax deductible. And, uh, we appreciate anything that anybody could do because everything comes out of our pockets. And, uh, you know, it costs us $30,000 a year to feed the horses. Wow. So yeah, that's, that's incredible. I didn't realize it costs that much. There's a a rescue farm. $3,000 per horse per year minimum. Wow. Wow. We have no, we have no pasture. It's, it's sand. You can't grow, you know, you don't grow grass on sand. <laughs> we have to import all the hay. Wow. So, I mean, at least moving to Maine, you should be able to get hay at least yeah. for them, right? $3 a bale. Hey, I'm, I can't wait. I'm, you know, I'm going to look at my hay barn. It's going to be full of hay and I'm going to be like, yeah, that's you know, awesome. That really rocks. That's really cool. <laughs> I mean, most people look at a bunch of hay and they go, yeah, so what? It's hay, dead grass. Man, I look at it and I just go, wow, that is awesome. You know, that is like <laughs> a gold mine to me. 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, we have a, a rescue horse uh, ranch right down the road from us, about 20 minutes away. I think it's called Ryers mm-hmm. something. And uh, mm-hmm. they have a, lots of horses in there. And me and my wife go in there sometimes. And uh, the one horse in there, it's older than my wife and I. I'm 32 and so is she. And it's older than us. And I was thinking, I didn't realize that they lived that long. Oh, yeah. I've got horses that are way older than you guys. Wow. That's incredible. Well, John, mm-hmm. I really appreciate you chatting with me, and I would love to talk to you again sometime, whether it's for the show or just in private. You just, you're an awesome person to sure. talk to. Thank you. Give me a call. You get the number. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it because I really had a good time talking to John Edmonds about all that activity he's been experiencing over the last 21 years. That's just incredible for me to think about somebody dealing with this stuff like he has for 21 years. So I really hope you guys enjoyed it. I really enjoyed talking to John. If you guys go to the website, hit the news section called The Newsletter. That is the monthly newsletter we're going to be coming out with, and you can sign up for that for free on theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's theconfessionalspodcast.com to get the monthly newsletter for free. Go ahead and sign up today. I hope you guys have a great week. Stay safe, and I'll see you right here next Saturday on The Confessionals. (laughs) 